Welcome back, everyone. Season 3, episode 11 of What Are Your Thoughts? I'm your host, Doug Osterhart, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking about how to hedge against downturns in the market using an ETF strategy called a defined outcome ETF. I'm really excited to share this episode with everyone, and after the disclaimer, we will jump in. Doug Osterhart works for LifePoint Planning. All opinions expressed by Doug or any podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of LifePoint Planning. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of LifePoint Planning may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thanks for being here, everyone. This is the fifth installment of the retirement series on what are your thoughts. And today I'm going to wrap up the retirement series and finish up by talking about a specific investment strategy that is basically targeted for people that want lessened or dampened volatility in their stock market-based investments. Maybe they are gonna use this strategy to replace some bonds in a portfolio, but overall they don't like the volatility of the market, but they still want to share in some upside, but maybe they wanna hedge on any type of downturn in the market. If that sounds like you, you are in the right place. I have clients that really like this strategy. You know, maybe they understand that long-term the market has gone up historically, but when it comes to retirement, for those on the cusp of retirement, as I've mentioned previously throughout this retirement series, the first five years on either side of their retirement date really, really matter probably more than any other years of their lives when it comes to investment portfolios and financial planning and making sure that they can live off of their assets for 30 or more years. So this strategy that I'm going to talk about, there's a few different names and uh, it's, it's an ETF based strategy and it actually is molded around an annuity strategy where, you know, an, uh, a retiree or an investor, I know that you know, with the fixed index annuities that I talked about last time, you're not directly participating in the index where in this strategy you are, um, and there is risk of loss, but the strategy is similar in the sense that there is the ability for some upside gain and you're protected in some way, shape or form should the market go down. And what I'm talking about here, there's a few different names for it. We can call them hedged ETFs. We can call them buffered ETFs. We can call them defined outcome ETFs. And their goal is very, very simple. They they track an index. In this case, I'm going to focus on the S&P 500, and, which is just the 500 largest companies in the United States. But basically, their goal is to provide a level of upside in which they call a cap on a return over a certain period of time, which I'll, I'll give an example. And then they also provide a buffer to the downside over a certain period of time. And those buffers can also vary. 
Now, there's a couple different companies that people can use for this, but one of the primary ones and definitely the company that has the best website for just analyzing these is called Innovator. And just as a you know full disclosure, some of my clients do own these ETFs from Innovator and I own some of them as well, just as you know, whether it's emergency fund dollars or dollars that I may not want to um, earmark for retirement, but may want in a couple years, or it's just a, it's a way to dampen that volatility, not knowing, you know, we can't, we don't have a crystal ball, so we can't predict what the market's going to do. Now, let me talk about just an example, just so I can explain things and maybe clarify some things. So basically these ETFs, you can buy them at any time, but they do have what we call that defined outcome. And Innovator has, you know, just in their basic um, ETF strategies, they generally will give a year long outcome. So for example, let's say that it is the first of the year and someone were to purchase an ETF with a year long outcome. And in this case, they literally have a ticker, you know, let's use, um, it's PJAN, P-J-A-N. And basically what that is, is a defined outcome period that starts on January 1st and ends on December 31st of any given year. So let's say that it's, you know, January 1st, 2022, you buy the ETF and you say, okay, this has a, an outcome period from January 1 to December 31st of, of 2022, let's just say. Now, throughout that year-long period, if I were to pull that up and look at PJAN and just for giving a, a, a clear example of what exactly as it is today, just so if you look this up, you'll see the same thing I'm looking at. But if you were to look this up and, and look at PJAN as a ticker, there is a cap. Remember that cap is the maximum return that you would earn potentially throughout that year long outcome period. And in this case, that starting cap according to their website, is 8.99%, so almost 9%. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's a few different um, possibilities when it comes to how these strategies will play out. And since I've mentioned the cap already being roughly 9%, there are two positive scenarios that could play out and two negative scenarios that can play out in terms of return. So the positive scenarios, again, thinking about that 9%, roughly 9% cap, if there's a positive return that is 8.99% or below throughout that one year period, then you would essentially get as close to a return as as possible. So let's say that the market returns or, or SPY, right? That's what this is um, using to mirror, right? It's trying to it's trying to um, share in the SPY, the ticker SPY, and, and it's 
and underlying it's buying options, which is beyond the scope of this podcast. Um, but I can answer questions if you have them. Basically, let's say that the return is 5%. Oh, and you know, at the end of the year, the, the return is a positive 5%. Obviously, the market's down on the year, but just bear with me for this specific example. Well, after that outcome period, you would be roughly 5% up. Now, the expense ratio on it is about 0.78%, 0.79%. So obviously, you know, there would be fees taken out throughout the course of the year. But um, the first positive outcome, and I'll share in the in the notes a link to just a photo of, you know, possible outcomes, right? So in this case, a positive outcome that is within the cap, we'll call it, meaning in this specific case, 9% or below, then you would get that amount, right? If it's, well, if it's from zero to 9%. The next positive scenario is what if the market goes up above the cap? So we saw this in 2021, if people held, or, or if we did this strategy in 2021, the market was up quite a bit. So generally, the return of SPY exceeded the cap on the buffered ETF. Well, you would get the cap, but anything over and above that, you unfortunately miss out on. Remember, the goal of these is to hedge against the downside. So the investor in this case might not be super worried about missing out on on some percentage points. Now in 2021, that could have been an outlier because the market, you know, SPY was up 20 something percent, meaning they missed out on a good chunk of return. But pros and cons, right? For that, they get they got some level of peace of mind knowing that some volatility was hedged. Now, talking about the downside protection. So for PJAN specifically, the um, buffer on that series is 15% hedge to the downside. So if the market is basically, so, so talking about the two other outcomes, um, or, or the two possible scenarios, right? The two negative scenarios would be knowing that we have a 15% hedge to the downside over that one year period. If the index was down, you know, zero to negative 15, you would basically work out to where you return zero. And then obviously there's that 0.78% fee. So basically market would be down, you know, whatever the, whatever the amount is, 12, 13%, let's just say, and you would be down 0.78. Now that saves return <laughs> in the sense that, you beat the market in air quotes, right? Because you didn't share in all of those losses. Now, what happens if um, the market goes down more than the buffer, right? Let's say the market is down. Well, in this case, right, if we look at um, if we look at what would happen, right, if the outcome period ended and the market was down twenty percent. Well, you would be hedged against the first 15. And then if it was down 20 at the end of the outcome period, you would be down roughly five and then tack on the fee. So roughly 5.8%. 
Now that might sound confusing, but the summary of that example is that there is an upside cap and a downside buffer. And generally the, the outcome period lasts one year. Now you can get quarterly outcome periods and things like that. However, because it's an ETF, you can just buy and sell throughout the outcome period at any time. So an example might be in this case, like in 2021, let's say you bought the January series and, you know, three months in, six months in, however many months in, you're up and maybe it's already at the cap. Well, you can, you can then say, okay, let's sell that and buy a July buffer, right? Where then you'd say, okay, well, let's have a buffer that starts July 1st and ends June 30th. And you kind of just move it forward and quote unquote lock in some return by establishing a new buffer and a new cap. Now, obviously that you know, can get a little confusing. So if you're, if you're not using an advisor to help with these strategies, definitely call the company with which you want to implement this strategy. And there's a couple out there. I think Allianz has some buffered products. Um, their website's not quite as good in the terms of just analysis, but, um, yeah, like I, I you know, I talk to the, the, salespeople at innovators quite often. And just to make sure I'm getting good pricing and make sure I have strategies correct and things like that. But again, this is a, this is a great way to, um, hedge against some downturn in the market and the example and a real world example right now, right? If we look at, um, the September series, right? Which just started, right? If we're, if if we're talking a September series, that's the month with which it starts. So that would start nine, one, right? September 1st and end August 31st of next year. Well, if we look at previous outcomes, what happened, right? Because with any strategy, we want to back test it and say, okay, did this, does this actually do what it says it's going to do? Which is a concern that some people have is, is just that. So if we look at um, the September series that started uh, September 1st, 2021 and just ended on August 31st, the SPY ETF, that ticker was down about 12.5%. Well, we know that in this, in this, we'll call it the P series at Innovators, which provides a 15% buffer to the downside, if we know that SPY was down 12 and a half, that's, you know, in this case, that's still within our 15% buffer. Well, what happened? Well, good news. The buffer performed exactly how it should. The fund was down 0.77%, obviously, because there's that fee. So that was net of fees. Now, that's really awesome for that investor, right? If they bought on the outcome start date of September of 2021, thing, you know, when people felt, believe me, people felt a lot different than they do now in terms of just volatility and where the market's at, you know, they were very, very happy because the market down 12 and percent, but they were down just about zero, right? Minus 0.75. And they, are, are thrilled that they beat the market by, you know, quote unquote, again, beat the market by 12 and a half percent. So they can be very powerful. Now, if we look at 
you know, when the market was up, right? Another type, like, let's say we look at, uh, at the January series from 2021, when the market was just absolutely crazy, right? SPY was up 27% and the fund hit its cap at 8.8. So granted, if we could average 8.8% return year over year, people would be pretty happy. Right. And just, all, you know, if we could, if we could have that return on average over the long term, that would, you know, really build wealth. But again, they're giving up some of that return. Right. So these are really for people like I've been mentioning, right. These are for people that may or may not want some security, I guess not may not they, they these are for people that want security they want to be able to hedge against some type of market turmoil or market downturn and and they give up in return for hedging against the downside they might give up some return from the upside but they're okay with that because as we know from you know <laughs> um just psychology and investing a loss feels two, three, four times worse than a gain feels good in an investment account, right? Like in 2021, yeah, people were happy. Their accounts were up, but <laughs> you know, in 2022, they feel two to three, four times worse because their accounts might be down because indexes are down. So what this strategy does is helps dampen that volatility, allows the investor to share in some upside up to a cap and also have a buffer to the downside in the event that the markets do have some type of downturn. Now, let's talk a little bit about just pros and cons of the strategy itself, right? So I've, I've you know mentioned this quite a few times because it's the underlying, you know, uh, strategy in the, in these ETFs is that there's a cap to the upside and a buffer to the downside. Now, um, let's talk about just what would be some con potential cons of this strategy. Well, one of the biggest ones is that the, um, returns only track the price, not the price or total price and dividends, which is the total return of SPY. So now, although ticker SPY, right, the ETF itself doesn't necessarily pay the highest dividends in the world. It, if you were reinvesting dividends over time, those do help in the return where if you were to buy a buffered ETF or a defined outcome ETF, it only tracks the price of SPY, the price return rather than the total return, which can harm long-term some returns in the portfolio. Now I have clients and, and, you know, there are investors out there that are like, Nope, that, that's okay. Because I know that this isn't to hit home runs in, in terms of return. This is to have that, you know, increased sleep well at night factor, to make sure that I don't get absolutely killed, especially if you're entering retirement. But, you know, even if you have some emergency fund dollars with like a five-year time horizon or three-year time horizon, and you're like, well, I want to put them to work, but, you know, maybe I don't want to buy, you know, SPY or VOO or, or another S&P 500 tracker. I don't want to buy that straight up. I want some level of security, right? Like, 
they can be, you know, again, pros and cons, art and science, excuse me, to every decision. So you have to know what you're giving up to essentially own these ETFs. The second con um, is that sometimes there are, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but there's some wider bid ask spreads. And all I mean there is when you purchase any type of stock or ETF in the market, there's a bid price and an ask price. And the stock market day-to-day when people are trading is literally just an auction, right? And the the buyers and sellers have to agree on a price for their shares. So there's a specific type of order that can that should be used when you buy these ETFs, and it's just called a limit order. And it, it sounds, it may sound confusing. I promise it's not. And when you enter these trades, you know, it's really important that you use a limit order. And if, again, if you're not working with an advisor, it might make sense to call the company and say, Hey, what would be a good price for, you know, whatever, um, ticker that you're looking at to buy. Now, those are probably the biggest two in terms of just cons to the strategy. And obviously, you know, I've been mentioning the pros to it throughout this episode, but you know, it's a way to hedge. It's a way to dampen volatility because it's in an ETF wrapper. Inherently it's tax efficient, which I'm not going to get into the weeds with that either. But, um, the, basically the strategy itself you could do on your own, you know, with just trading options, but if there's, you know, buy buys or sells within those options, you might have a tax liability if you're, if you're doing that in a taxable account where when it's in an ETF, you know, the underlying sales of the options and purchases and things, you don't necessarily have to worry too much about the tax aspect of that. If you're doing it in a taxable account. Now, um, another pro and con, depending on where you hold the investments, which we call asset location, right? Holding the correct investments and the correct account types. So when I mentioned that you can, you know, quote unquote, lock in a return, right? So like in 2021, I used that example where SPY was up 27% and, you know, PJAN, right? PJAN for that year of 2021, it hit its cap, you know, relatively early, right? If let's say that there's a month where the buffer that the buffered ETF that you own is up 5%, you can say, okay, well, you know, let's, you know, let's say you bought the January one and in January it was up 5%. You'd say, okay, well maybe let's move that to the February one, sell the January and buy the February and lock in that gain and start a new 15% buffer to the downside and a new upside cap, you know, if we kept using 9%, you can do that. That's a pro that's definitely really attractive to people to, you know, again, quote unquote, lock in some type of return. But in the, you know, a negative to that could be if it's in a taxable account and there's a large gain, maybe you don't want to realize that. So you might get a little bit stuck if you have an investment in the portfolio that you know can't go up, can only go down, but you don't want to realize the taxes of it. So, you know, 
<laughs> again, if you're DIYing these, there's some definite things to think about. But if you're working with a, you know, a competent advisor on the strategy, they can be really, really useful. And there is a little bit of active management to them, but it's not like what you think, right? We're not picking stocks. It's more active in the nature of how do we control tax liability for clients? And, you know, should we, you know, move these tickers to the next month or should we, what outcome period should we select and things like that. So just, you know, making that known is really important as we just discuss different strategies, especially for retirement, especially for those people that are on, you know, within five years before or after their retirement date. So let me wrap up and just talk about just a summary again. I know I've mentioned this a million times, but basically this strategy is for people that are willing to give up some potential upside return by way of capping a return over a desired outcome. And you can basically pick any outcome, right? You can pick you can pick March 1st to the end of February the following year. You can pick October 1st to September 31st, right? You can pick any outcome period. You can trade and buy them at any time. So like you can look at the market and say, you know, depending on where the market is, you could literally buy uh, an, a, an ETF that its outcome period ends at the end of this month, right? You could, you can basically have ultimate flexibility with this strategy, but it's really for people that want to dampen some volatility. They may not want to share in the full losses of the market and they're willing to give up some upside return if it exceeds the cap to have some peace of mind knowing that the volatility to the downside is protected so they can be a phenomenal tool inside of a plan you know uh, sometimes people will say okay well bonds are down this year and rates are up. Maybe we'll take some of the portion that we would have allocated toward bonds and we will allocate that toward a hedged ETF. Um, sometimes people, you know, that just have a, don't want to handle the volatility of owning SPY or VOO that, they're just like, look, I just, you know, want consistency and I don't want to have to deal with any massive losses. Let's go ahead and just use these ETFs as a way to um, hedge and, and not have to share in that massive volatility that could happen and has happened at least so far in 2022 inside of the portfolio or a segment of the portfolio. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This is the fifth installment. Like I mentioned, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this installment. I have some other ideas in my notes for different content. I've had a good amount of people ask for that retirement guide that basically covers all of the strategies that I've discussed in the retirement series, but it's in a PDF format that provides some more visuals and things. But if you do want that, send me an email, info at lifepointplanning.com. I can send over that retirement guide. 
just in summary, again, you know, these ETFs are a great strategy for a lot of people that are, you know, not wanting big volatility in their portfolio, right? I'm not compensated in any way, shape or form by recommending a certain product or an ETF or company that does defined outcome ETFs. I just found that this is a way for clients that might be a little bit hesitant because of volatility to stay invested and know that they have some hedge against a downside or a downturn in the market. I hope this was helpful. If you guys have any questions or just want to send an email or a topic or a question about a topic, a different topic, please send it along info at lifepointplanning.com. Thanks again for being here and we will catch everyone next time.